All right, here we go. We're recording. All right, welcome to Cowboy Connection Podcast. This is Kevin Cooley. I'm sitting here with Bill Plouffe. JR and Tad haven't joined us yet, but uh, uh, we've got a guest tonight, Jeff Gore. And uh, so welcome, Jeff, to Cowboy Connection Podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. So uh, you, uh, for those of you who don't know, anybody, most anybody in the cowboy culture is going to know who Jeff is. Uh, Jeff's a, a, a musician, entertainer, uh, movie star, and uh, man of God. So, right? I mean, come on. How many movies you been in? You, you, you were uh, one of the three, favorite three characters. In, you were one of the favorite characters in the good old boys, right? Yeah, the one that everybody just loved so much. He's the one that was just, you know, favorite. In yeah. fact, he even got a few nominations, the worst bad guy in movies. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff asked a question on Facebook earlier this week, best bad guy in a Western movie. And that character came up by a few people. I think it's only because you said it, though. Several. I think they were, I think they were being smart at it because they know it's, I finally got to be in a good cowboy movie and I didn't get to be a cowboy as the dude that was the bad guy. So, Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember. I remember you got a uh, movie. Um, uh, well, I always get the number wrong. Nail. Nail 32. Nail 32. It's the old, uh, it's the old adage that if you, if you uh, either, either pay 20 bucks or 30 bucks or whatever to a guy to shoot your horses or you pay a you you charge him a pity a nail and you double it every nail and if you use all the nails on a on a uh, horse and you double it every time it ends up in the millions and people don't believe that but if you got a calculator that's big enough to do the the calculations it, it really is it ends up being you know several million pennies and and you know a hundred pennies makes a dollar and so it ends up being a whole lot of money if you double it every time you know it's one and then two and then four and then eight and then 16 and 32 it keeps on going up with that it it doesn't take long for you make a whole lot more than the regular price to to shoe a horse and and so that's the point but it's the point of the movie is he uses that analogy the character i played uses that analogy in the and his point is, is that you do it one nail at a time. It all starts with the first nail. And you, you can reach a whole lot of people, but you can't reach anybody till you, till you reach that first one. And if you reach that one and they reach one and you reach one, that doubles and that doubles and that doubles and that doubles. And it goes back to the, the idea that we're not just called to be disciples, we're called to make disciples. And if we are actually disciples of Jesus Christ, we're going to be making disciples. And that's, that's multiplication. That's not addition. You know, I, I'm, I'm always interested when it that passage in Acts that we were talking about just a few minutes ago, it says it added to their number daily. Um, but but the idea is if 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 I'm a, a disciple and I'm a soul winner uh, and I make disciples and they're soul winners, that is, that's multiplication. That's not addition. And that just becomes exponential. And uh, maybe maybe that's why we have. Uh, not quite as many people getting saved these days as we'd like to see, because maybe we're not uh, doing exponential evangelism. Maybe we're just doing addition evangelism. I don't know. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, I had, uh, I, I thought of a couple of different passages when I was thinking about, uh, about tonight, because Jeff, 
Jeff's been a been a good friend. When I had the opportunity to to meet him for the first time, I'd known him and listened to his music for a while, and and so uh, we have a mutual friend, Pat Alfin, who pastors Cody Cowboy Church, and um, and and Jeff was coming up to help with the uh, with uh, the Cody Stampede, and then would come up for the for the Cody Night Rodeo Finals, and him and his wife Donna and Sherry and I would have breakfast and. And we've just become good friends. Well, then I have the opportunity. I was telling Jeff about the podcast before we got started. And, and uh, one of the things about, uh, about Bill, Tad, and JR is, is uh, we've, just, we've just developed a friendship. And so for me and Jeff, it's, it's a lot, you know, it's, it's like that. And then for me, Bill, and Tad, and, and JR, it's, uh, it's, this, it's this idea of, of friends that are, that 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 truly care about you that truly are concerned about you about building you up edifying you and you know i, I was going to tell the story i wanted jr to be here but him and his wife were headed to arizona last week and they broke down outside of denver and one of the first things jr did was send a text out and said hey guys be praying for me we're broke down and and so we just immediately started praying for him and and i, I had the same thing happen when i was headed to texas a couple of weeks ago for my mom's funeral I sent a text to these boys and they were praying for me, encouraging me, would check on me. And, and then I called Jeff and, and I said, Hey, I know it's a lot to ask. He's just a couple hours away from my mom's church. Uh, you know, my mom's a music lover. She loved that Jeff's music and she loved uh, just a good voice. And, and so I asked Jeff to come sing at my mom's funeral and him and his wife showed up unconditionally. And, and uh, I was thinking about Bible passages 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. And, uh, and that's a, that's a, a truth that, that is just uh, truer than you can, you can imagine. Then Proverbs 12, 26 says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. And, and, uh, and I, I am fortunate to have, uh, been blessed with with these friends and and um uh bill and i were talking on the phone the other day just how my faith is being encouraged by this group of men that uh that we've just been in we're being intentional about being in the word together being in prayer together and uh and uh worship prayer and worship and and being in relationship with each other which if you've listened to other podcasts you know that we value the passage in Acts 2 and the passage in Colossians 3 that, that specifically talk about those things. So, uh, Jeff, why don't, you, um, why don't you just share a little bit of your story and uh, give us an idea, kind of uh, a little bit about your background, where you come from. Well, I've, I've lived in Texas all my life. I was born and raised here in Texas. In fact, I was born about 40 miles from where I live now. I haven't always lived that close, but uh, off and on, I've lived right around the center of the state of Texas uh, most of my life, off and on at least. And um, that's where we live now. It's pretty close to where I was born. It's almost uh, exactly right square in the middle of Texas. In fact, about 25 miles from my house, there's a monument uh, plaque that says that's the geographical dead center of Texas. And so um, I live pretty, pretty close to the center. And I, I've always lived here in Texas. So as I grew up, uh, I, I always wanted to be a cowboy. I know that you probably hear that 
you know, a lot. There are a lot of guys grew up all their life wanting to be a cowboy. Uh, my parents weren't cowboy and ranching people. My dad was a pastor and my mom was a school teacher. And, and um, so, and, and very well educated, very, very, fairly sophisticated for, for uh, small town Texas, but uh, kind of threw them for a loop when they had a son that wanted to be a cowboy. And when I was a little bitty kid, uh, my dad was pastor at First Baptist Church Gulfway. That's about an hour from where I live now and uh, a little over an hour. And, and uh, they were having a revival and, and the, the deal with the revival was uh, sort of the theme was the yellow ribbon. And it goes back to that story about the young man coming home from prison who had shamed his family and shamed his town and everything getting in trouble and going to jail. And, and so when it came time to, for him to get released from jail, he sent a letter to his dad and he said, you know, dad, I'm going to be coming home on the bus. And, and, uh, you know, I kind of like the prodigal son, you know, I'm really not worthy to be your son anymore. I know I've embarrassed you. I know I've humiliated you and, and you may not want me to come home. And so what I'd ask you to do is on that Oak tree that's right out there on the road by the house, if you put a yellow ribbon on there, then I'll know I'm welcome. And I'll get off the bus right there and I'll come home. But if you'd rather me just keep on going, then I'll, if there's no yellow ribbon there, I'll, I'll understand. And I'll totally understand if that's the way it is. And I'll just keep on going. I won't even let him stop the bus. And so he's coming in there. And as it kind of got closer to coming home, he told that story to some people there on the bus. And, you know, that he was waiting to see if his parents were going to let him come home or not. And so as they rounded that curve and they started heading towards his house, he was looking, but he, did, he couldn't bring himself to look. And, and everybody on the bus was looking and watching and anticipating, you know, what it would be like. And, and then when they started cheering, the poor kid looked up. And, and when he looked up, there was a ribbon on every limb on that big oak tree out there. His daddy wanted him to come home so bad. And, and that was the, the, the story they told. And everybody wore a yellow ribbon on their lapel, uh, getting ready for this revival. So the people would ask what the yellow ribbon was. And they'd tell them that story. And then they'd use that as a as a. Uh, segue into the plan of salvation that we've all we've all messed up but god wants us to come home god wants us to come back to him and and uh so i was i was a little kid i was about seven and i that yellow ribbon caught my attention and that story caught my attention and so i really started talking to my dad about it pretty serious for a seven-year-old kid and one night a week or two before the revival I, i i wish i knew the date but i don't remember the exact date on the calendar but I sat on my dad's lap in the parsonage of the First Baptist Church of Gulfway, Texas. He always watched the news. He watched the Johnny Carson show. And uh, we'd, we'd watch the news. Then we'd have a prayer as a family. And then we'd all go to bed. And he'd watch the Johnny Carson show. And uh, my dad, uh, we watched the news. And we had our prayer. And then I sat on his lap. And he turned the TV off and, and sat there late that night with me and, and explained that, answered all of my questions and 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 came to the point to where I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now, in the next few days, my brother, who was about nine at the time, he did the same thing. I, I, once I did, you know, he kind of got curious, and so he did too. And when the revival came around, we went down the front and, and got uh, made it public to the church that we had asked Jesus Christ in our life. And the last night of that revival, uh, they baptized everybody that had made a decision to get saved during that week of revival. And there was a bunch of us. It was a ton of people took a long time to get everybody baptized, a bunch of young people, uh, kids and teenagers. And so I remember that uh, very, very well. And, and I heard a, a preacher say a few years ago uh, that sometimes it's good to go back to that place where you receive Jesus Christ and remind yourself. And, 
And uh, I was talking to the guy who was pastor at First Baptist Goldfleet for a long, long time. Uh, I told him, I said, one of these days, I'm just going to knock on your door <laughs> and uh, come in there and sit in that den and, and just sit there for a minute where I, I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart. And uh, I dropped my tablet. There it is. I had my Bible verses right there on my tablet. But um, so anyway, that was when I was about seven. When I was about eight, we moved to Sherman, Texas. And uh, a guy that was the chairman of the committee that called my dad to be their pastor at Trinity Baptist Church in Sherman. And uh, he was uh, chairman of the deacons. He was the head of the pulpit committee. Uh, his name was Clyde Hale. He was a cowboy and a rancher and and a uh, good godly Christian man. And he kind of took me under his wing. I, his son was my brother's age and his son and I started running around together and get to be pretty good friends. And uh, all through school till I graduated high school there in Sherman, I worked for him off and on from about 10 years old uh, at the sale barn on Saturdays till uh, I graduated from high school. I was working for, that was my main job was working for him every afternoon and on Saturdays and all summer uh, feeding cows and, and working horses and, and building fence and, and haying anything I could do, anything that had anything to do with ranching. I figured I was a cowboy, you know, so I, I wanted to be a cowboy. And when I discovered those big ranch cowboys uh, out in the West, I, I was completely gone. If my parents ever thought there was a, a hope to redeem me from being a cowboy, it was over the minute I saw the big outfit guys and, and uh, spend any time on those ranches that were uh, measured in sections instead of acres, it was over with for me. But uh, when I was in junior high, we had a really, really good youth group and a really good youth minister and, and uh, was really encouraged in discipleship and really encouraged in growing in the Lord, which was really, really good. And uh, we, uh, we all were really involved. I mean, our youth group was our little core. I mean, even though we had a lot of friends at school, our real friends, our real core of friendship was, was right there in that youth group at that church. And uh, I surrendered to the ministry. I felt like God was calling me to the ministry and uh, surrendered to the ministry at 12. Um, it was kind of a struggle for me because I, I wanted to be a cowboy. I didn't, I didn't want to, I'd seen my dad stand up there in that pulpit behind that pulpit and preach. And, and uh, I, I'd seen what he went through as a pastor. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. We'll never get away from here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and so Bill, my I agree on that was, yeah my idea was you know I, that doesn't look fun at all to me i'm not interested in that a bit god so i don't know what you're talking about me being in the ministry but it better be something different than that you know and uh i i don't know how i, I don't know if i was uh, gullible or if i was really a faithful person or if i really was that solid as a christian i don't know uh i don't give myself a whole lot of credit for it but Somehow I trusted God. I, I just, I trusted him to know what he was doing. And uh, I went through all the, the motions and went to education, college seminary, and was a youth minister and a music minister and education minister for about 12 years. And I really can honestly say that deep down in my heart, I was just, I was just miserable. I, I did not like being on staff of the church. I loved some of the people, uh, some of them not so much, but uh, God used all of those things uh to put me where i believe he ultimately wanted me all along and when when you say you trust god uh that's that's loaded i mean that's that's heavy and that's big because you have to really trust him because sometimes 
what he ultimately has for us looks like it is totally out of reach. And it looks like it is totally illogical. And so over the years, I, I continued to feel like that there was a, a real ministry to cowboys. All those old cowboys I'd known when I was growing up always trailed off after the old men. And I always had a lot of respect for them old cowboys. And, and so whenever I started started feeling like I was restless, feeling like, you know, this isn't it. You know, I, I, I was sitting in those church offices and I was thinking, you know, I know I'm supposed to be in the ministry, but this is not it. This is just not it. And I remember when I was a little kid surrendered to the ministry, I, I couldn't have even told you this at the time in words. I could not have articulated it well enough for you to understand what I'm saying. I knew it was going to be different. I knew from the time God called me to the ministry, it was not going to be conventional inside the box ministry like I had grown up seeing my father and my grandfather and some of those guys do. And so when God started molding this ministry we're in today uh, together and, and called us to step out on faith in this ministry about 29, almost 29 years ago, um, it, it was difficult. I mean, I didn't have a whole lot of encouragement. All right. I didn't have a whole lot of people saying, hey, that sounds like a great idea. We're going to pray for you, buddy. It was more like, you're crazy. You've lost your mind. You know, there's no way you can do that. And so it was it was pretty tough. But over the years, God has always gotten us through it. He has always kept us focused. Uh, 30 Over 30 years ago, I, I called a guy that I'd seen uh, in a magazine, a mis home missionary magazine, the Southern Baptist Home Missionary Magazine. He was on the front of the magazine. There's an article about him, and he was a pastor of a little old church in Ely, Nevada. And uh, he he rode fence line and and worked on some of those big ranches uh, to help pay his bills because the little old church he's at didn't didn't pay his full salary. He was bivocational, and and so I figured, you know, if anybody understand what I'm talking about, he will because he's around these old cowboys all the time. And I knew there's a lot of really really good men. They're just lost. They needed Jesus. And somebody's got to go out there and tell them they're not beating the door down of our churches to get saved. And so I said, you know, I, I, I called this guy. I talked to him for a little while on the phone. Um, his name was John Babb. And um, he listened to me. He heard me out. And as you can tell, I, I, I don't there's no short answers. There's no short stories with me. So I don't know how long I talked and he listened. But after I got kind of done. He said, well, you know what, Jeff? He said, uh, I know for a fact that there's a desperate need for what you're talking about. And I also believe, after hearing you talk about it, that God really is calling you to this ministry. This is the real deal. But I want you to remember a couple of things. He said, first of all, everybody's going to think you're crazy. And I said, I can already attest to that. I've already been told I was crazy. He said, but number two is, I want you to remember this. And he, and he, he kind of caught me off guard. And I, was almost, I was almost upset when he first told me this, but then I started thinking about it. I realized where he was coming from. He said, people don't need cowboy, they need Jesus. And that has been our focus that kept us in, in the narrow way of what God called us to do in this ministry from that day forward. It's not about cowboy, it's about Jesus. And I heard a, a, probably one of the best compliments I've ever gotten in my life recently. A gal said, you know, she said, you're not a cowboy preacher. 
um, you're a preacher of the gospel that happens to be a cowboy. And um, I thought that was a great compliment going back to the words that John Babb told me over 30 years ago. And he and I have become dear friends. Uh, ironically, didn't meet for almost 25 years. I talked to him on the phone, lost track of him, got back together a few years ago by one of those uh, crazy God things, you know, and, and stumbled onto him in Idaho. Um, and we've gotten to be dear friends, but his words of encouragement, the only words of encouragement, honestly, that I got when I felt like God was calling us to this ministry, to leave local church ministry and step out on an itinerant missionary ministry to ranching and rural communities to reach lost cowboys and, and small churches and people like that for the gospel of Jesus uh, in a cowboy and ranching setting. Um, it was unheard of at the time and people thought I was crazy, but he was the only encouragement we got for years and years and years. And so um, God just shows us, he puts us in the right place at the right time to get the right stuff we need to do his plan and his purpose for our life. If we'll trust him, but we got to trust him to know what he's doing because on the far end, you're going to know where you are and you're just going to be, that's what it was all about. That's why that happened. That's why that happened. God had a plan and he put me on this, this course 35, 40 years ago, actually put me on this course when I was about 12 years old. He knew what we were, what he was doing that I would be here now when I was 12 and I'm almost 59. So that's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you, you and, and, and Donna and, and Sherry and I had breakfast one morning at Granny's and Cody, and, and I was telling you about this Cowboy Connection ministry that, that I was feeling led to and, and kind of what we were, we were talking about. And you made a comment that, and you just alluded to it in your, in your uh, message that, and maybe you can talk on it a little bit. You, um, you talked about how there was an absence of um, peer mentor relationship in as you were as you were going taken off and that's that's people that understand you know the thing about Bill and Tad and 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 Jr and I and 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 the guys that join in on our on our uh, monthly Zoom meeting you know the rodeo cowboys the ranch cowboys they're business cowboys you know you know. Tad's a, Tad was a rodeo cowboy, PRCA bull rider. Now he's a businessman in Miles City, Montana. But, but his kid's a rodeo, and, and he's, he's still a cowboy no matter what. Um, so we got cowboys in every walk of life. And, and one of the things that, that um, uh, you know, for Bill and, and, and Tad and JR and I is, is we all come at this relationship from, a different, from different walks of life, as it were, you know. Bill and I are both vocational in ministry. You know, he's pastor in a church, but he's also riding colts and, 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 you know, running some cattle and day working and, you know, for other, other ranches. And, mm -hmm. and then I'm probably the most, <clears throat> you know, vocational minister because my full-time job is at Cowboys with a mission, <clears throat> but there, you, you spoke about the lack of peer mentorship you know, in relationship that you, you wrestled with for a long time. And, and so, you know, even being able to stumble back across John Babb, you know, you may be 59, but you still know the value of, of relationship in this stuff. And so, so speak on, on that, some of the pitfalls and some of the things that, 
even maybe some of the pride issues that that maybe kept you from reaching out, you know, reaching out because I think I've wrestled with that is I've, I've, I've had over the years, a lot of mentors, but none of them understood the culture that, that, that I'm in, you know, and stuff. So there was always yeah. that wrestling match. So speak a little bit about that. You know, I, I think that uh, sometimes we get kind of bent out of shape because people don't get it. We, you know, they don't get it. They don't really understand what we're all about and where we're coming from the, the cowboy thing. And, and what it really means to be a cowboy and spend time horseback with those guys on those ranches. And we have a mindset that's a lot like those guys, but it's hard to find other ministers uh, like pastor of your church where you're a member. If you're like me, where you're a member of a church, but you travel and you do ministry all the time, but I am a member at a church. And, and over the years, it's been very difficult uh, even for my pastors sometimes to really get what it is I do. Um, for the longest time, I had friends and relatives, close friends and relatives. If you actually ask them what I do, they could not, absolutely could not describe for you in words my ministry. They couldn't do it. And so sometimes we get kind of bent out of shape when people are that way. But um, I think that, that we have to do a better job of, of articulating to them what it is, what we're all about. Sometimes they're going to get it. Sometimes they're not. Right. But the fact of the matter is the people that need to get it are the people we're ministering to. Um, and what we really need from one another is encouragement. I had a, a guy, I know a young lady that is, uh, believes she's called to the ministry and, and she really b believes in uh, pastoral ministry, um, not necessarily pastoring a church, but pastoral type ministry from a woman's standpoint. And, you know, those, you can wrangle over those things all day long and, I get, you know, I get a lot of words, you know, here and there from other people over the years about women in ministry and women deacons and all that stuff. And those things are always controversial and stuff, but I never have been able to find anybody that can talk away or get rid of the passages in the scripture that talk about Dorcas and Phoebe and all of those women that were considered and even called deaconesses in the word of God. And Phoebe was called an apostle. Okay. And so yeah. there's got to be something there. And, and so rather than just make it controversial and talk it away and, and talk women out of ministry and not give them a ministry, we need to figure out where that fits in Christianity. All right. And I know this, this gal and she's, she's extremely intelligent. She's a wonderful girl. She loves the Lord and she wants to be in some type of pastoral ministry. And she does pastoral ministry in her way right now. And, and a, a fellow was telling me, I just came by it. I just came by it. And I told him this, I said, you know what? I don't understand it either. Cause I'm coming from that Southern Baptist, uh, you know, background where women, you know, be seen and not heard, I guess. Right. And, and which, you know, I can't, I'll keep looking for that in the Bible and I hadn't seen it really, uh, you know, not in the terms that we're talking about, but cause there's so many passages where women were ministers and women right. were servants and, and things like that. And so, I told him, I said, this, this is how I answered that guy. I said, let me tell you something. I'm a, I'm a man. I came from a pastor's home. My mother's dad was a pastor. I've been around pastors and church people and ministry all my life. Okay. But when I felt the call of God 
to do the ministry God has me doing. Everybody told me I was crazy and it wasn't in, and it wasn't valid. So the last thing on earth I'm going to do is tell anybody that the ministry that they feel like God is calling them to is not valid because it doesn't fit in my little box of what ministry ought to be. I'm going to let God sort that out. And so what we need to be doing, instead of finding reasons why person A or B shouldn't be in the ministry because they're not qualified or they're not this or they're not that, we need to find ways to encourage them to do the ministry God has prepared for them to do as disciples of Jesus Christ. Because whether we're called to be apostles or teachers or any of those things listed in that Acts passage, we are all commanded to be and make disciples. So we're all in that same boat together. We're all yeah. called to be disciples. And we're all called to go make disciples. So when somebody says they're uh, called to be one of these things, a pastor, teacher, whatever, we need to not figure out a way for them not to be that because of some uh, stereotypical box we have in our mind of the way those things play out, we need to find a way to, in grace and mercy and love, encourage them and help them. And I think that the only way to do that is just love them and pray for them and say, you bet, what can I do to help you? You know? Good. That's good. Can Bill, what do you got? With that? I, no, I was just thinking about that with Jeff because, you know, I've been accused of being a pastor, and I'll be honest, I'm, I'm far from a pastor. I mean, I, I have a church I oversee. I'm in there on Sundays, but, you know, I like Kevin says, you know, I, I run a I run ride, ride some coats and got my own little operation I'm working on. I help with a ranch radio company. We, we started up and stuff. But, you know, and I think, you know, I, you know, the work, you know, a lot of times people find out I'm a pastor, you know, their first, first thing usually is, you know, what church, you know, I usually tell them, hopefully it's the one God's raising up because otherwise I don't want nothing to do with it and stuff. But, you know, what you're saying there, Jeff, this, it just really spurred me on to, to, you know, Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 and 12, and we could go clear through them, but I just really want to want to read them. You know, it says he himself, that being Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. And, you know, I think anytime somebody hears, you know, use, you know, I'm in the ministry, you know, I'll be honest, most people, if you use the word prophet and apostle anymore, you know, they're there, you're going to lose them, you know, and, yeah. and well, that's neither here nor there, you know, but usually when somebody hears ministry, what they, well, I'm in ministry, what they're hearing is that, you know, um, you know, they're thinking, you know, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and you're sitting in an office in a church. And so, you know, but really, um, they're the equippers. Those guys are the equippers. And, and, and it's what we're trying to, I really believe, do here is we get men, men together that, you know, have different callings on their lives. I'm probably more apostolic evangelist than I am ever pastoral, which is fine. I got people that are much more pastoral in my church that can, can love people in that way. But, you know, we're the equippers. We're the equippers for guys like you, Jeff, that, you know, we can help you or the gal you were just talking about, you know, that we're here to edify them, to strengthen them, to, for them to go out and do the work of the ministry. You know, I, I'm only, I'm only a quote unquote pastor when I'm in that church, if you will, because when I walk out the door, I'm a saint going out to do the work of the ministry, just like everybody else. And I think, you know, that's, that's a huge revelation. If people would get that, you know, um, you know, and I, I'm a firm believer. I, I mean, I, I, 
probably the point of almost harping on my people that their job is holy and that's a ministry unto the Lord. You know, that is, you know, that is the place that they go to reach the people. You know, I tell most people, don't bring them to the church. You know, what we're going to do is mess them up, you know, get them saved, baptized and full of the Holy Ghost before you ever bring them into the church, you know, and so and I, I, I appreciate what you're talking about because, you know, I know we got different callings, but in a lot of ways that I operate a lot like you do, Jeff. You know, I mean, like Amen. I say, there's, there's just a lot of lot of ways out there to minister to people that is not inside the walls of the church. You know, I mean, I'm so blessed with this ranch radio company. You know, we had a gentleman that uh, he, he was, he'd been rodeoing with us and he had a pickup roll on him and it killed him. I mean, man, I started getting them guys from that ranch radio that, you know, are rodeoing with us calling me because they knew where I stood. And they're like, you hey, man, we need to do a memorial for it. They're reaching out to us. And I think, you know, um, we just got to be those people that are available for people. You know, we have to be, right in the midst of their life you know i mean I, I think ultimately jesus is the perfect example i mean the only reason jesus was called a drunkard and a wine bibber is because he was available to the people he was hanging out with the people that needed the help and so i just wanted to interject that when you were talking about you know Amen. i really like what you said it isn't your right to put that woman in your little box you know because um yeah. you know they i mean every one of our ministries is wacky to, to somebody else so well, well, and, and, I, and I preached I preached this morning on on my message uh, that I broadcast. Um, you know, God brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Jews for them to present it, and they rejected it. And He made the point to them. He said, "You know what? It's the fair. It's the the tax collectors and the prostitutes that believe John the Baptist." What He said. And they believed in me when I came. You people were the ones that he told it to first, and you rejected it. And so just like that, that young man that uh, dad said, go out in the field. And he said, no. But later, he said, okay, I will. And he did. That's the tax collectors and the prostitutes. They were not accepting of what they were so told. But then after a while, they thought, no, this is it. And they followed it. The other guy was like the Pharisees. He said, go out in the field. He said, okay, dad, I'll do it. But he never went. And, and, and sometimes we have to be very, very careful that we start putting too many uh, descriptions of our little box on people. And next thing you know, we're not careful. We're those Pharisees that rejected the real word of God because it doesn't, what, it doesn't fit the little box we want it to fit in. And God's got these things he's got people to do. He's got a plan for our life. And, and he's got a plan for everybody's life. And I've, I've said for a long, long time, you know, God needs solid, godly disciples who are lawyers and who are doctors Amen. and who are teachers mm -hmm. and who are plumbers and who are all these people. Because if we are truly disciples of Jesus Christ, everything we do is going to give glory to him. And we're going to make disciples where we go because they're going to see us and how we live and how we act not just what we say, but how we live and their, their, their lives are going to be changed. They're going to be different. And so I guarantee you when that rough old cussing, fighting, drinking, ruffian of a cowboy hits a crisis, he's not going to go down the street to some denominational church because his grandma was a member down there and knock on that door and talk to that guy and say, I'm in real trouble. What can you do for me? He's going to call the guy he knows. 
And if the guy he knows is one of us who's been riding out from the wagon early one morning with him or standing behind the chutes, helping him get ready to ride a bronc or something like that, or been down in the trenches with him on a ranch or in the rodeo arena, he's going to come to one of us. And we need to be there and be prepared and be ready. That's what the Bible says when it says, be ready to give an account for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ at all times to be ready to do that. That's yeah, all Peter, of us. That's not Peter just us yeah. here that are ministers. Yeah. That's not just us guys that are called into the ministry. That's all of us who are disciples of Jesus Christ to be prepared for that. And that's our calling. That's we just, like it said in the passage in Ephesians where you're in Ephesians four, there's all the different types of ways that can be done, but nobody fits in any one category of those. We do a lot of those different things along the way as our, as our life evolves and as God uses us in different places. I've told people a long time, I don't have the temperament to be the pastor of a church. That doesn't mean that God can't change me and fix me and make me the pastor of a church someday. He might. But right now, I have to be where God wants me right now and be willing to do whatever it is God called me to do right now. Let everybody else do the things God's called them to do and don't be sticking my nose in all these other things, you know. Well, and, and, and not no, to be comparing you. are talking about because I'm, I'm absolutely on board with you. you know, wherever. Oh, I, my internet kind of, my internet. Story. You know, Jeff, you were talking about I think I think Kevin's got a delay. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> go ahead, Bill. Go go ahead, Kevin, and then I want to share. I, I want to share a story after you go. Go ahead, Kevin, and then I want to share yeah. the story about just being out in the world and being able to minister to people. So go ahead, Kevin. Yeah. Well, and and my my the point I was going to make was was um, uh, you know. You, you, you both made good points and it goes back to that principle of, of nail 32 where, where, you know, you can't, you can't, the Bible, nowhere in the Bible does it say the pastor's got to be the one reaching out. The pastor's got to be the one bringing people to church. You know, invitation is the responsibility of everybody. Investment is the responsibility of everyone. We've been called to make disciples. And so, you know, the thing that keeps so many Christians from, from sharing is they, they either disqualify themselves because they're not perfect or they're fearful of man. They're fearful of rejection. And, and one of the things that as followers of Christ, when you begin to understand what your identity is, who you belong to in Christ, and, and that as cliche as it sounds, he didn't call the qualified he qualified the call you know he made did i say that right did that come out right you know he, he didn't say i want you to be perfect he said follow me you know Amen. let let the dead bury the dead follow me pick up your cross and follow me and and one of the things that i found and i know bill has found this to be true and i'm sure you have too jeff is that as we begin to walk out a life of obedience the funny thing is is we begin to change we change exponentially when we become obedient. We can't sit back and go, I'll start sharing the gospel when I'm, I'm better. You know, you can't, yeah. nobody's yeah. ever, nobody in the, in the cowboy world 
has ever looked cross-eyed at someone cussing a stupid cow. I mean, come on, or a bull, a herd of bulls. I'd rather push 600 cows across the pasture than 25 bulls, right? <laughs> and, and Yeah, because if you got 25 bulls, you got 50 fights going yeah. on all at one time. <laughs> right? That's, that's the truth. And, and so nobody looks cross-eyed at anybody. And, and it, you, you profess Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have a responsibility to, to, to be an example to others. And when you, when you don't compare yourself to somebody else, you, you, just, you just spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer and worship, Spend time with, with like-minded believers that are helping hold you accountable, helping challenge you. And then you begin to walk out obedience and just love people. Show concern. Consider, be more graceful towards somebody, you know, just once. Just try it. You, you run into some surly old curmudgeon that, that's rude to you. And, and instead of being rude back or hating them or bad-mouthing them, Pour a little syrup on them. Love them. You know, you did nothing wrong. That's okay. I'm sorry. Can I help you with that? Or, hey, how you doing? And just pour a little syrup on them and see them change. And people notice. People pay attention. And, and all of a sudden, people start going. People start coming to you, right? People start coming to you when you're an encouragement. I was at Walmart yesterday with the family, two young men from Rodeo Bible Camp. Made, a, made an intentional effort to come say hi to me and, and, and encourage me and, and, and just, hey, how you doing? And, and it, they were joyful to see me. Why? I'm just a fat old cowboy from Matitsi, Wyoming, but they went out of their way to come say hi to me. Why? Because I've been loving on them for years at Rodeo Bible Camp. And, and they know I care about them. Right? You bet. So. Bill, what were you going to say? Oh, I just wanted to share a story, you know, and I mean, I don't know who's all going to end up hearing this podcast, but I, I mean, I, I believe that there's people that are going to, Jesus, that are going to listen to this or need, need the Lord, but also those that are out there in the world that, that are sharing Jesus, loving on Jesus. But, um, you know, I was thinking about Jeff and he was talking about, you know, the guy that's, you know, out there riding next to the guy or pulling, pulling the, pulling the rope or the bull rope or the, you know, I mean, Kevin, you were kind of alluding to it, you know, just, how we go out and, you know, trailing cows and bulls and stuff. But, you know, I work at the sale barn on Tuesdays and, and, uh, here it was open a couple months ago now, maybe even a little longer. There's a gal that she'd been struggling with a lot of issues. She had, she'd been struggling with some substance abuse and stuff. And anyway, I'm not kind of, you know, just being at the sale barn and trying to reach out to the, the lost because I like to really lost because the light kicks on on them a lot quicker, I think sometimes. And that's really where God's called me. And it's, who I kind of was back in the day, but I know I was reaching out to her. She kind of finally says, I'm done. I'm giving up on life, Bill. And she's been having some heart problems, I guess. And she said, I'm just going to die. And I just, I just reached out to her and I said, you know, um, I said, that's fine. If you want to give up on life, I can't, I can't change that for you. But I said, the one thing you got to understand is you're going to give up on life and you're going to just let yourself die. I said, you got to make choices. I says, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta make sure that, you know, you're right with Jesus. Says, if you ain't right with Jesus, you, you've just experienced your best life. And it's going to get a whole lot worse after this. I says, or if you, uh, you know, have Jesus in your life and you decide you don't want to live in this life anymore, you know, 
it'll only get better from for you. And you know, I kind of left it at that. We were messaging on on Messenger or whatever on the on the phone and stuff. And you know, it was a couple three days later, I, I got a message from her. And she says, "You know what? You told me that really impacted me." She says, "It made me made me to stop and think." And you know, you, you know, I'm I'm gonna choose to live. I'm gonna choose to make some some different decisions and stuff here and. And I guess it just goes to what we've kind of all been talking about here, but, you know, the only way we can affect the people and share light with the people is we have to go get into their situations with them. And I mean, it don't even take work to get into situations, in my opinion, you know, you just go out like Jesus said, you know, I was, I'm down there teaching Kevin's, Kevin's students. I said, you know, three, three, two thirds of God's name is go, you know, and so. And I just really think that's a lot of care is, and I'd encourage anyone that might be listening, you know, you don't have to have all the answers. Right. I mean, man, I think sometimes it's just, just sitting and listening to somebody, reach out to them, tell them even Jesus loves them, man. I mean, we're in a world that seems to be full of just discord and hate. And just sometimes to know that somebody loves you is, I think, a huge part of this and stuff. So, and I just, I, I guess that is, that's my encouragement here is, you know, the work of the ministry isn't as hard as we make it out to be sometimes. I think a lot of times it's just going out there and being amongst the people. And, and then like we talked, you just make sure you have a reason. And first of all, make sure you have hope yourself. You know, I, I think that's a huge part, man, is be full of life and be full of hope. And then just be ready to share it. I mean, people will start to ask you about it. You know, I mean, it's important one this last Tuesday at Sale Barn, and this guy's a professing Christian, but they all know who I am. And they started asking me about the book of Leviticus. I was like, wow. <laughs> but, you know, but that that conversation, there's about four other people standing around listening to this conversation we're having about the book of Leviticus. And he's like, man, I started reading Leviticus. And he thought, I'm doomed. I says, yeah, if you're trying to keep Leviticus, you are doomed, man. I said, man, I just. I said, we're all in that's big trouble. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, it was just, it was like full on time to preach the gospel. I says, well, that's why Jesus came. I says, because we couldn't fulfill the law. And that's the only way, you know, we could find salvation is through Jesus himself. Yeah. I, uh, I like to, when my mind, I think of it this way. I know what I wanted to do with my life. I know how bent to be a cowboy I was. And I know how my parents and the people they were around all the time were the, the, the type of Christians that they were surrounded by. And I don't want anybody to be offended or to be set apart by what I'm about to say. I don't mean this in any derogatory manner, but I know how I know me. I know what I'm like. And I know how bad I wanted to be a cowboy. All right. And it was, it could not be more opposite from the, the world of my parents and my, what would have been my raising. You could not get more opposite from that than being a cowboy. And so I can think in my mind of how rebellious I would have been against that to be a cowboy at whatever that meant had it not been for God putting a godly man who was a cowboy to help my parents keep me reined in. And so 
the two things that God has showed me through that is, first of all, God knows what he's doing. And he puts people in our path to keep us in his plan if we'll trust him. All right. But number two is I, I, I gained as I've gotten older. My dad and I didn't always see eye to eye, obviously, because of our differences and the, the things were so different about us. But as I've gotten older, I have, I've gained a, a whole different respect for my dad when I have grown children now and grandchildren because I see how hard it had to have been for my dad to relinquish hero status. We all want our kids to think we're heroes, you know. We all want to be our kids' heroes. I can see the grace that my dad had to have to relinquish that to another man to be his little boy's hero so that that man would be the example that that little boy needed to be where God wanted that little boy to be. And I think as we get older, guys, we may not even notice it. And we may think sometimes I don't have the, the greatest uh, uh, security and confidence in my top hand cowboy abilities. I've always cowboyed, but I, I don't know that I've ever been really a top hand. But just when I think that, you know, maybe I can't cut the mustard with this crew of cowboys, there's always some young guy, some kid that comes up. And I can tell by the way he acts, he's acting to me the same way I acted, riding along with Clyde Hale and those old guys when I was a kid. And that is something that we have to take very, very serious and be the spiritual person, the godly person, the holy person. We're not perfect. We're not ever going to be without sin or, or get to where we don't do stupid stuff, but be prepared in the word of God and in prayer. So that when those times come, those kids see what they need to be seeing and not an example that would lead them off some other path. Cause I know if I had not had the guys in my life that I had, I know where I'd be today and it wouldn't be in the ministry and it wouldn't be in a podcast with you guys talking about the Lord. It would have been a pretty rough, pretty rough place. But God knew what he was doing. And sometimes it's humbling to think, but sometimes God is going to put us in that position. God's going to put us in that place where somebody's going to look to us for the answers. And the only place, the only way we can have the answers is to be where, where God wants us to be. And so that that's a very that's a weight sometimes on our backs. But but I think that's where we've got to really sink our teeth into where God's got us as older. I mean, you guys are not near as old as I am, but the older I get, the more I realize I, I'm getting to that place to where I'm the old guy. I'm the old man at the wagon. I'm the old man at this crew and, and, and whatever I'm doing, I'm the old guy. And so if I'm the old guy, those young ones, some of them, maybe not all of them, they're going to look up to me for one reason or another. And it needs to be for the reason that Jesus is in my life the, well, the calling he has on my life that's that's what they need to be looking up to me about yeah patience and grace goes a long way in that situation and you know i'm reminded of a couple of different passages that talks about the gray-haired men you know investing in the young men but then paul also tells timothy not let anybody not let anybody burden you with your age and, and so any young men that are listening to this thing have a you know, if you profess Christ as your Lord and Savior, you you can be an encouragement. I was talking to a young man today at uh, just right down the road. They had a dog trial today, and and so I went down and watched it earlier. 
and I was talking to a young man, he cowboys down here south of us, and uh, just talking to him about about his working dogs, you know. And I thought, man, I, I've always I've always wanted to be able to train a dog to work the way those dogs were working today. My poor old healer Dietz, all he knows is one, it's just a couple of commands, and and even even then I didn't do a very good job of teaching him. But I would have no problem whatsoever submitting to, to, to learn from that young man and in that situation, because he's a better dog handler, handler than me. And, and I know at 51 years old, I have spent time at the coffee table, you know, with a cup of coffee talking, sharing Jesus with 60, 70 year old men and talking to them about their struggles and praying for them. So, so, uh, you know, uh, I'm reminded Bill will know who I'm talking about, and there's a good chance he'll listen to, to this podcast, so I may embarrass him. And, and by no means is, is this fella, fella perfect, because I see him get frustrated at his son, and, and of course he's a father. We've all got children, so we all know what the all reality. But, but one, of the best, one of the best disciplers I've seen, not necessarily, I mean, uh, I'm not talking about biblically is but but is ryan Hanna, pickup man out of north dakota right you watch his son him and his son picking up picking up bucking horses at our uh, at the bronx bulls and bible camp up in miles city and and he's coaching him and mentoring him as they're riding along beside these bucking horses and and this young man is is listening to his dad and, and of course you know he's got a he's got a talk to him every now and then when he leaves something laying around or does what teenage boys do. But that's the, he's, he's patient. He coaches, he encourages and, and, and it all overlaps. Right. And, and we, we have to remember that, that when it comes to spiritual matters, we've got something to share to people. We really do. Well, and, and, I'm reminded of Luke 17, where it talks about you know, anybody that causes a, 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 the little ones to stumble or to sin, it'd be better for a millstone to be hung around the neck, thrown into the sea. You know, God's revealed to me that it's not just about not doing something stupid in front of a bunch of little kids and, and, and influencing them to do bad things. If we don't teach them, if we don't train up a child in the way that they should go, like the Bible tells us to, we're causing them to stumble. We're causing them to not have what they, what it takes for God to call them, for God to draw them to him and for him to work in their life. If we're not doing the things that we're supposed to be doing for those young people. So it can be a sin of omission just as much as a sin of commission. And it's not always about doing something wrong as a bad example for these kids that are looking up to us. We need to be careful to do the right things covertly you know i mean overtly get out there and, and purposefully do the right things so that they see the right things so that we're training them in the way that they should go so when they're old they'll not depart from it and it's not just a little bitty kids babes babes in christ too you know new christians yeah. we need to spiritual we need to be infants, the example of those people yeah yeah you bet spiritual infants what do you think bill you got some insight no, I think it's just a good conversation. You know, I think, you know, when I, I go back, I was almost 
to quote that same verse you were talking about, you know, with Timothy of, you know, don't let nobody despise your youth, but be an example and, and word and deed. And I think sometimes the Lord will bring them youth alongside of us that, you know, think we're, you know, spiritual giants and think we're something else. And you, you get some young man on there and they come along and sometimes they just their example, you know, can can really be almost a rebuke to, to us older guys or guys that have you know, been in the Lord longer and stuff. But, you know, and, and I think it's it's no matter, you know, where you're at in the Lord, you know, it's there's always there's always room for growth. I mean, I just, you know, I'm just been blessed in the last two and a half months and and uh, just been, I mean, one of the biggest things that I think has been changing my life. So I've been taking communion daily and, I mean, it's just been an amazing amazing growth that the lord has has had me in and i think that's the thing is is you got to be obedient to the what the lord is asking you you know i think every one of us are an example in some way or another but to try to emulate what somebody else is doing because i mean i've done that man i've got some heroes in the faith and you read some of them old books and you're like man i love that guy and you know smith wigglesworth is i just think that guy's great i love listening reading some of his stuff but you know the lord had command him at times to hit somebody in the gut, you know, he, her tumor would heal. Um, and if you ain't hearing the Lord tell you to do that, you better probably better not, you know, whack somebody in the gut to, to see healing that way. But I think the biggest thing I could tell anybody that's going to listen to this, I mean, first and foremost, is, you know, you got to have Jesus in your life. You got to make him Lord of your life. But as you follow him, be obedient to what he's asking you to do. You know, and sometimes, yeah, he's going to speak through pastors and friends and, you know, podcasts and different things. But don't get so wrapped up in trying to, you know, be a be a Bill Plouffe or Jeff Gore or Kevin Cooley or, you know, I mean, all them TV preachers. You know, they've all got a calling different than what God has asked you to do. And so I would say, you know, and don't despise the small beginnings. You know, that's I believe it's Zeph and I talked about, you know, not not despising the small beginnings and, you know, and and. The more you're obedient, the more it grows. You know, you gotta, you gotta just be obedient where you're at, and uh, you know, just, just step out, step out, and and the only thing is, is yeah, find, find mentors, find people to encourage you, find brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ that are, that are. When I say like-minded, it doesn't mean they're gonna agree with everything you say. Like-minded is in they believe in the Word of God. Sometimes the, the best thing you can do is have somebody rebuke you put you back on the on the right right trail on the right path and you know, I'd, I'd say that's you know my biggest thing in what we're talking here today and, and just you know the the you know all our ministries are going to be different and so be obedient to what the lord is calling you to do as an individual and follow his leading and you know like i say reach out to somebody reach some, to somebody to encourage you and and walk along and and be an encouragement yourself to other people yeah, you can't be thin-skinned to be a follower of Christ because if you really want to invite people in your life, you got to ask the question, "How bad do you want it?" And uh, and you better not. You you probably don't want a bunch of thin-skinned Christians as your band of brothers or circle of sisters. You know, whatever whatever your your you know because you know Bill and and Jr. and Tad and I we're pretty tough on each other. You know, we we love each other. We're pretty tough on each other and. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I needed it, Jeff would be tough on me. And, and, and you got to ask the question, how bad do you want it? Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ, it's a good time to talk about that. 
Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So there's no doubt that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it says it, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God, show, by showing his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. Okay, so Christ died for our sins. And, and you know, if we're sinners, Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And, and then Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him, uh, raised him from the dead, you will be saved, all right? And everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So, so you know, we, we, we want you, everyone that's listening, if you think you know Jesus, but, but you don't have any transformation in your life, you don't you don't do anything about it. You don't feel any different. Well, you may just think you know Jesus because Romans 1, 20 and 21 says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Real, genuine transformation in Jesus Christ, profession of, of him, as him as your Lord and Savior. And, and uh, you know, there, change begins to happen, but, but you still have to uh, participate in that. And so you've heard us talk about it. You've heard us bring up, bring up all the things that, that we see in Scripture that are valuable. And, and this conversation, just hearing, hearing a little bit of Jeff's life story, uh, kind of turned into a discussion on mentorship and, and investment. Uh, you know, our very first podcast was, was the idea of investment. Um, you know, and, and what it means to, to really um, uh, invest in people's lives or have people invest in your life. You need to be uh, uh, able to, to hear the strong word from somebody, to hear someone look at you that loves you and you know as a follower of Christ, as a strong follower of Christ, you need to be able to listen to them tell you that you're, you know, that, that, that your actions are in sin and you need to repent. Uh, I have a note hanging on my computer that stays that stays there. It says, "Repent and forgive daily," and uh, and that takes that takes a relationship with Christ to a whole new level because it requires extreme humility to be able to repent and forgive daily, because it, it's required in, in, in a life of following Jesus. So, so uh, yeah, that's the gospel for you right there. Um, we want everybody to know Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, it's not easy to be a follower of Christ. People, people, famous people, famous atheists say that Jesus Christ is a crutch. Well, I found it to be pretty challenging to be a follower of Christ because in order to be obedient to him, we've got to walk in the face of our fears of man and rejection. So boys, any final thoughts before we, before we uh, uh, wrap our conversation up? I appreciate you letting me come in and join in tonight. It's been good. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Jeffgore.com. You can find his CDs. His dot org. I'm sorry. I knew that. Yeah. Jeffgore.com Jeff, Jeff is some really smart guy from MIT. <laughs> yeah. You, you'll know real quick that's not my yeah. website. <laughs> <laughs> but you can find his DVDs there. You can find uh, his book. Uh, you can find some other things. 
Jeff is uh, is is in the pre-production stages of of putting his book to uh, to 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 theater to movie, right? And that's that's been a battle, especially. Yeah, in we're COVID. working on it. I I've got yeah. I've got some people helping me work on that. We're working on some other projects too along the way. Hopefully, that'll help fund that. So we're working yeah. on it. Yeah. So if you feel like investing in a movie, Jeff's the guy you need to you need to reach out to. Uh, his Facebook page, his friend list is full. So his 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 other page, his music page, and everything else, you can go like that. And uh, Sunday morning services are have been fantastic. Uh, of course, I think Jeff's got one of the best voices out there. Uh, and and I listen to his music pretty regular. Uh, I've actually started playing some of this stuff. Uh, one of my favorite songs that, that, that he sings is The Old Man. And uh, I'm singing it this summer at my uncle's memorial service. So uh, that's good. Good. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm honored. That's a good thing. Yeah. And my, my uh, only, my only thought, oops, go ahead. Sorry, Kevin. I thought you no, go ahead, Bill. No, you said, do we have any, do we have any final thoughts? You know, the only, my only final thought is here is uh, uh, maybe it's going to be provoking a challenge here, but you know, if you get up there to Matisse and Cody country, just come about another three hours North because I want to challenge your voice against my beautiful wife's voice. And I don't care okay. Jeff, how good your voice is. I'm still voting for my wife. <laughs> I think you should. <laughs> well, we're working on that. We're, he's going to be I an encampment. You, her voice is better than mine. <laughs> no, I, I, you got a good voice. I, no, I love the mean. Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll just settle down. I'll get in trouble before this is over. <laughs> well, he's going to be in encampment, Wyoming, this summer. So we're going to get him up here to Matisse. <laughs> And so we'll just load up and come to, to come to Grass Range too, and and uh, try to schedule a concert up there in your country. I bet we can get a bunch of them cowboys to come listen to a Jeff Gore concert. So, so uh, we'll uh, we're gonna start working on something already. So for that, for that'd this be great. Summer, so. I look forward to it. Yeah, yeah. You no, he's certainly not. No, see, we could probably get them gathered up. I I know a guy that's got for any cows. The best way to gather up a bunch of cowboys is put on a rope. <laughs> <laughs> we can do a concert or open or something. Concert or open, that'll be great. That'll be great. Well, feed them awesome in between. Guys. That's that? right on, right on. So, he said, feed them in between. I'm all for eating, man. That's biblical. Yeah. We'll rope in the afternoon and eat, and then I'll sing, and that'll be great. Right, right on, right on. Well, so. Sounds like we, we we got something rolling. So so uh, keep an eye out. We'll be posting information before long about that. So. Well, it's a good conversation, Jeff. I sure glad you joined us, and look forward to the next yeah. time we uh, we get you in on this thing. And uh, it's finally starting to warm up down there in Texas, so I know you guys you guys aren't gonna. It was beautiful that. today, about sixty degrees and sunny, yeah. and we everybody thinks they've been let out of prison. <laughs> well, been praying for all my Texas friends and family, so make sure you keep our Texans uh, prayed up. Their electric bills are fixing to be ridiculous. Their livestock. Uh, we're negatively affected by all this. Calves yeah. were anybody calving in this weather down there. Their old horses and cows weren't hairy like ours are. They're all slick. Yeah, and there's a lot of lost stuff. livestock. Some yeah. some cows, some older cows, and a lot of baby calves lost during during the bad hard freezes last week. So, so be praying for the ranchers and the farmers lost some crops too. So, 
all that winter wheat was probably destroyed out there in West Texas too. So I bet a lot of it was. Yeah. Well, hey, Jeff, why don't you close us in prayer? All right. Father, I just thank you so much for Bill and for Kevin. Lord, I thank you for their ministries. I thank you for their lives that have been given over to you and the example that they are to the people around them. Lord, I pray that you'd give us an opportunity every day to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people and help us to never take uh, one of those opportunities and, and not jump at it. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us as we try to uh, take care of each other in mentoring and in encouragement and building up of the saints. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we travel the roads, as we do our work, Lord, uh, keep us safe, but Lord, keep our words and our thoughts and our hearts captive that we might speak your will and your word, light and salt into this world. And that where we go and what we do would always bring glory and honor to you. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. Look forward to hearing Thanks again, guys. Yeah, you bet. Look forward to hearing from you. If you got questions, you need prayer, you can go to a cowboy connection at gmail.com. Look us up on Facebook. We'll, uh, we'll uh, be praying for you and uh, look forward to hearing from you. We'll be back in two weeks. God bless.